This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, what a good goal! Mike Bar post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! go five games without a win or three EFL games unbeaten as Richie Wellens's Orient side lose their winning run without conceding a goal at the mercy of Scott Lindsay's Reds. Harry McCurdy's season account opening fourth minute tap-in is cancelled out three minutes later by Paul Smith, not Smythe. Here to discuss Swindon Town 1, Leighton Orient 1. First of all, it's Connor. Hello, Connor. Hi, Rich. I like how you've perfectly balanced the episode by uh, referring to like the negative and positive start to the season. So that's uh, that's good. I think it bodes well for the rest of the episode. Thanks for having me on. I certainly hope so. And it's a pleasure to have you back. Also joining us is Terry. Terry, hello. Uh, judging by some of the feedback from our last pod together, <laughs> perhaps the world wasn't ready for your return just yet perhaps not I, I i do enjoy the fact that your positive followed by negative was very much like the first eight minutes of yesterday's game <laughs> it really <laughs> was and do you know what the funny thing about listening to terry on sunday evening and it's great that connor's on the pod too is because i'm talking to two of the most positive people i experienced last <laughs> season proper proper vibe chasers oh. nothing but positivity in real life but when that red button is pressed for record, things change. Last year was just so much fun, Rich. And all I want is for this year to be also really good fun. 
That's all I want. That's all we want. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't add to that. I think I completely agree. Um, I'm I'm in the game for vibes and fun. Yeah. Guys just want to have fun. It's you know it's what they really want. <laughs> yep. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm taking it. And good night, everybody. Before <laughs> <laughs> before we start. I want to try something a little bit different by reading out a selection of quotes from listeners who provided feedback um, and their hot takes post-Orient. Not every single word that people put, but just some buzz terms. So we'll start, Alex, so disjointed, no clear plan. Matt, progress again, slowly building. Adair, another improved performance, but still a long way to go. Jim, disjointed and awkward. John, Town was second best for most of the game. Craig, much better second half and improving, but well behind the likes of Orient. Chris, solid point, which will be a good point if we win on Saturday. Jamie, better. Andy, on the half chances we gave away, I feel lucky we got a point. Sarah, indifference, we weren't great, we weren't terrible. Nathan, getting better by the game, but still not really good enough at all. Tom, Definite improvement once again. Benny, better than I expected, but still not anything close to the required level. And finally, CJ, who said second best at everything, fortunate to get a point. I don't think I've ever struggled to analyse and discuss a selection of games more than what we've experienced this season. As a fan base, it feels like we're battling between progress versus mediocrity. And I don't really know what the answer is. And I'm sure we'll find out over the season. But Connor, it's been a funny old month so far, hasn't it? Yeah, I've never heard a fan base reading from so many different hymn sheets um, in my football supporting life. Maybe maybe I have. I, maybe it's like recency bias and uh, we're always like this. But I think the, the thing is listening to what you were saying there, like reading each of the comments out, like on a one-to-one basis, I can't really disagree with most of them. I think the point is that like we've started the season from such a low bar, which I mean, shouldn't have been happening based on the high bar on which we ended last season, that we are actually getting better, despite the fact that yesterday was not the most amazing performance in the world. Like there are positive points that you can pick out and we will pick them out on this episode. Uh, but overall, I don't feel particularly happy about it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a real mix max of emotions because I would like to be saying positive things about Swindon because I'm in this for fun. I'm in this for chasing the vibes as we've already discussed on the episode. Um, and I will do that when I can. Um, so I will try and do that a little bit today. Um, but equally, I also like it when we're good and I'm not quite sure how good we are and what the problem is. It, it's not quite as fun as last season at this stage. But Connor is right in so much that we have progressed. It's like, it's like both parties are right. We have progressed very slightly and we are still bad. So we've progressed to being bad, which goes to show how bad we really were to begin with. Like we were abs- we got battered 1-1 yesterday. Let's, let's, let's just be really clear. Um, and arguably, I would I would suggest we were battered one all at Carlisle as well. Um, for me, I, I, I'm just sort of um, look in the in the post match in the pre match. Andrew Hawes and, and Scott Lindsay were talking about identity, and Scott Lindsay quipped that um, there would indeed be a side out there that 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 knew their identity and had a plan and were a pressing team and an intense team and a ball dominating team on the field last night and there was but unfortunately it was the team we were playing against we were still lacking intensity we were still lacking press and we were still lacking a clear identity and plan and that 
until that changes, results are not the most important thing because they're a really small sample size at this point. Um, we, we, it's far more important to see what we're trying to do. I'd, I'd rather we were doing a plan badly or a plan was struggling to bed in with the team than we don't seem to have a plan, which is what it looks like at the moment. I think a couple of the a couple of the correspondents picked up on that, um, which I think is is ultimately where I get to with this with us at the moment. I don't see what we're trying to do. It's not we're not doing it very well. I don't know what we're trying to do. Yeah, Terry, I was going to ask the question, well, I was going to ask for an identity status. It doesn't sound like we've made much progress since Carlo. If the identity is collapse into a 4-1-4-1 and defend our own half every time we give the ball away, which is which is valid, it is fine if that's our chosen plan, but then we keep getting told it's not. Um, so I, I think it was... It was a sobering. It was a sobering thought to think that that's the way we were playing at home to Leighton Orient on the fourth game of the season, the second home game of the season. But that—that's what we were doing. We can only you can only a- analyze and judge what actually happened, and we, we were literally sort of sitting off for deep four-one-four-one, letting them con- dominate possession. And, and, and the problem with that is that we were also defending really poorly in the in the key moments. Um, for large periods, particularly in the first half, which meant that they were creating at will. They, they they had so much time and space and opportunity to create good create good chances. We were really lucky to get out of that first half level. I think Connor, in terms of identity, what's your stance on this? Is it going to become one of those terms that we're all going to get fed up with eventually, as we desperately seek some sort of a change in that respect? What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think in general. You can either use it as like a really strong touching post about like what you stand for as a football team and like what the exact way that you want to carry out your job on the football pitch is, or you can use it as just kind of this nebulous thing that doesn't really mean anything and is just kind of used to kind of imply that there's like some kind of greater plan above it that there all is. And I think looking at how we play, it it changes so often from like passing around the back and I think you look at it and it's not like the same sort of patterns each time like we had last season. And I've seen under methodical managers in the past, one of whom was in the opposition dugout yesterday. Um, it was kind of just passing it around until um, something happened, I think, um, which, um, you know, that, that, that's fine. But then also we were pumping it long. We were relying on long throws. Um, we were sort of playing balls into the channels Um Obviously, like a team can pick all of this kind of stuff up. Like they, they, you can play all of those different ways when it suits you, but I don't think there's an identity that unites all of the different ways that we were playing um, on Tuesday night and uh, from the stuff that I've seen earlier this season. Um, so it would be interesting to know exactly like how they want to play and how much they like changing for different oppositions because obviously um, I think looking at the personnel at Leighton Orient, uh, both in the dugout and on the pitch, it's a good team and they're maybe one of the teams in the, the league that you might modify your game plan slightly for. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't mind if we don't have an identity, but yeah, if you, if we're going to talk about it, I'd like to see what it actually is supposed to be because I don't see like on the proof of what's out there. What is it? Silence. <laughs> what is it indeed? Well, we need to see something for Rochdale because, well, that, we, we, Rochdale we'll talk about a bit later on because, well, that has to be a win, doesn't it? Let's let's talk about the lineup then. So I think it was a four-five-one. Mrs. Pullen, 
wanted to go to a gig uh, so therefore I had to miss this but I certainly watched it on iFollow Swindon are here every other week guys Lars Fredrickson isn't in England that often at all so I just had to take a hit Bryn in goal Hutton Blake Tracy McDonald and Clayton coming in for Baudry Reed Kern Gladwin in the middle Williams and Wakeling on the old wings there and McCurdy up front Terry I thought it might have been a bit of a risk resting Baudry, but then I remember the goal we conceded against Carlisle, and I quite like Clayton. I thought he did very well, so good call by Scott Lindsay. Yeah, I think Clayton is certainly one of those players who gets an honourable mention for a really, really solid performance. I think um, I think it's really funny. If you actually go through, I don't think many individuals were disappointing, and I think this is a theme and a thread throughout throughout the four league games so far. It's actually don't think, I mean, look, Louis Reed's getting some noise and some flack. I think a lot of that is over I think he's, I think a lot of the players who we, um, who we have high, high expectations for are a victim of that lack of, that lack of plan. I think, I think that's, that, that's sort of where we are. Um, but yeah, Clayton was definitely, definitely one of the, uh, one of the more solid um, performances, particularly given it was his first ever pro start. So fair play to him. I think he, you know, we're going on 90 minutes here, but I think he clearly has a a high ceiling and, and hopefully um, I'd, I'd like to see him make make that left centre-back spot his own. Um, so we're not in a position where we're relying on Baudry playing 38, 40, 42 games this season. What's Scott Lindsay got to do to win you over, Terry? I think I, th- I think he's he it just I'm just going to come back to that that constant idea of of having a clear plan, um and and getting and and building. Either we have a plan and we're not executing it, and the players don't believe in it, or we don't have, or or the plan isn't clear. Um, one way or another, there has to be significant improvement, not this drip 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 improvement that some people are seeing. Um, that some of the some of the decisions still I find baffling. I, 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 it's Johnny Williams playing playing left wing doesn't work. Um, just doesn't influence the game at all out there. I think I think that needs looking at um, the, this obsession with, with with channel balls into Wakelin isn't really working at all, and and. The, the midfield combo of, of individuals really isn't working either. The, the way that I, I, I summed it up in our group chat last night, I, I think, is the most pithy way I can I can sum it up at the moment. Um, I have I actually have quite a lot of faith in in, in our squad as individuals. Uh, great teams are more than the sum of their parts because of their manager. Right now, we're less than the sum of our parts, and we've got to figure out why. We've got to figure out why, and we've got to address it somehow. It's difficult because I I wonder, like, like for, as a fan listening to him talk about football, I don't find it very interesting or inspiring. Um, and I try and tell myself that the way that he talks about football to the team is nothing like what we hear in the media because they're two very different ways of communicating. Um, and that hopefully the way that he's communicating to the team is very different to um, the way that he's communicating in the media, which for me is just not inspiring. Like, he's not the sort of person that as a fan I would really like walk through walls for at the moment in terms of at least just like in a footballing sense, like the way that he talks about um, things, which I think a lot of our fan base has as a sort of criticism of Ben Garner last season. Um, and we, we have had managers that have done that well and less well. Um, and I think generally the managers that talk well 
do get more patience and time than the ones that talk less well and sound like they're not that interested or um, that they lack the kind of detail. Um, so I'd be interested to see like how the players like genuinely feel about sort of what's going through in, in training. Because if he's talking in the, in the same kind of way, of just like it just seems like we lack detail and that we lack um, kind of an exact plan and just kind of want to vibe it. Which you know, for for a podcast, um, sometimes it can be quite charming. Um, I've heard, uh, but you know, on a you know, as, like for a League One football team, I think that's that's not a League One football team. Jesus, I am vibing it. A League Two football team. Um, that's something different. Like you need to kind of have a, a plan because another team will come up and um, we'll, we'll have something that you have to sort of break down and play against. So um, it's difficult. Like obviously like in the, I, I wonder if like he's like his specific skills are maybe not being the, the lead man. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like I'm also being like really, really negative on someone that's managed five games of professional football. Um, and I've not seen a huge amount of, and actually la- yesterday maybe in hindsight will end up being a good result. Uh, but yeah, I think given the very small amount of information that we've got at the moment to analyse, I just I just feel like the details lacking and that maybe the players having had, the ones that were there last season, maybe having had been given so much information by Bengana last season, maybe they're suffering from, It'll it'll be all right on the night, kind of um, management. I think also just um, just on 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 Scott Lindsay and, and and what he says in the media with regards to games, both pre and post. The one other thing that I'd like, I, I'm, I'm, this isn't a pile on. That's not what we're trying to do here. But the one thing I would love to for him to stop doing is telling us every other team is a good good team. Like Carlisle, really really good side, really tough place to go. Orient, they're a great side. They're really like, I want to be a good side. Why aren't we a good side? Like, why are we now all of a sudden looking up to Carlisle and Orient as these beer moths that are going to come to town and dominate us? And we, and it's a good point. Like, that's not at all a competitive football club in League Two, which is exactly what we should be. So please just stop saying everybody else are, are really, really good teams, particularly this weekend. If I, on Thursday or Friday, listen to the presser with Joe. And hear that Rochdale are a top top team. That, that passed the that, ball well. They, they passed the ball well. It's too early in the season to really think about where they are in the league. Ian Henderson's got proven scoring record at this level. They're a top top side. No, they're not. Yeah, I guess, I guess I think what backs that sort of concern is the way he talks in the media. Kind of is reflective of what we see on the pitch <laughs> in, in, a, in a weird yeah, way. So passive, like. Just, just we, we gave Orient so much respect last night. I think that's the best way I can put it. Like, we just, just, just honestly, like we got after Man City more than we got after, in January, more than we got after Leighton Orient last night in that first half. Yeah. Well, there were six glorious minutes, Connor, um, at the start of the game where we started well and we got a goal out of it. Uh, it was very similar to the goal we conceded against Carlo, actually, where the goalkeeper kicks it out, it finds its way, um, wakling in acres of space, and instead of shooting, and it wasn't a shot, there were rumours of this in the discussion last night, not having that, but he drags it to uh, McCurdy, who tapped in to score his first goal of the season, which probably did him the world of good, given, you know, FA charges are pending. So, <laughs> a good start. Yeah, good way to sort of start earning back that 250 grand with a little cheeky goal <laughs> bonus. Um, yeah, um, 
I think I almost I, I think I can see where you're going with the parallel to the goal we conceded up at Carlisle. I think the pass from Khan is better um, because I don't think the, the defender is just like as out of position as um, what's his face was uh, McDonald up in Cumbria. I think he was actually not up in Cumbria at the point that the ball was played last at the weekend. Um, it, it's a really good pass by Khan, like a little turn and, and, and pass. Really good to see it. Um, Wakeling was full of good running in that first half in general and even in the second half as well. Um, so really good. I, I was like thinking he was going to dink it because that's what I would have done in the position in, in that position, to be honest. Oh, the shot is on. Yeah. The, the shot shot's, is on. The shot's fully 100%. on. Uh, but the presence of mind to play in McCurdy, who basically had a tap into an empty net. Um, I mean, a little bit of pressure from him from behind from the defender, but that's good. I think in terms of building that partnership between the two of them, because I think we can see they're going to get significant minutes together. Um, that's good. And uh, yeah, just, I think that settled McCurdy down a little bit. He seemed a bit more like himself um, or like the good side of himself um, after that goal um, than some of the negative sides of himself that we've seen uh, thus far this season. So yeah, really good way to start. And and we won't score that many better goals this season. I think not, maybe not just because we're not going to score that many goals <laughs> based on what we've seen so far. That's a, that's a joke. But uh, I mean, it's a, it's a really good goal. I'd, I'd be very happy to see that played out again. Yeah, Terry, Wakeling is exceeding all expectations at many levels at the moment. What I like about him for, for someone so young is he's he's quite chippy. He's got a mouth on him. And there was one way he sort of barged a player by the... Uh, you know, by the touchline and you didn't get booked for it, but he got booked later. He's, he's got that little bit of edge to him, which I, I really do like. I agree. I, I'm actually really, um, really surprised by him. I think he, he is certainly a real bright, a real bright light in uh, a bright spot in what's been a tricky start to the season. Gives me, I mean, if he, if we can get him in the weights room a little bit, um, over the, over this, over the first six months with us, he gives me big Jerry Yates vibes. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him off the left with a with an out and out nine that obviously we know we de- we desperately need by the end of the month. I think then then we're starting to create a front three that I that I, that I will have faith and, and will believe in could, that could, can score goals at this level. Um, really interested to see how he develops. I just hope uh, I hope I hope we have a season that, that gets the best out of our, our front players and and he can really really thrive here because so far so good I, I think he's certainly outperforming against what most people thought he would deliver I think the really interesting thing with him as well is that like despite being quite a small guy not the strongest actually in that duel against Beckles um, sort of while balls were coming into him long I think Clayton was playing quite a few good passes into him sort of longer passes um, into the channels he was actually dominating that um, kind of um exchange for a little while in the first half um, in terms of he wasn't necessarily winning the ball all the time but he was putting Beckles under enough pressure that there, were, there was a mistake in him and if we could have just got maybe a couple of players closer to that kind of challenge maybe there was something in there so um, the fact that we were playing that ball sort of consistently I think they eventually sussed it out but um, yeah maybe he's like deceptively better physically than we, we think he looks like. Um, but yeah, really, I agree with what Terry's saying. I don't think it's fair on Terry to now go, now, Terry, walk me through the terrible goal we conceded because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need that. So, Connor, walk us through the terrible goal we conceded. Uh, it is some vintage Richie Wellens football um, playing out from the back, uh, working like working our press into it like, and, and get just playing out quite easily. I think we stand off quite a lot um, after sort of the initial trying to get the ball really high up the pitch. 
uh, which probably doesn't help that much. Uh, it's a diagonal ball um, over the defence. Um, I think if you watch that, I think Leighton Orient have, have, have clipped the full version of the vid, of, of it up on Twitter, and you can just see um, Blake Tracy tucking in and then immediately having to go back out because there's been a really good ball played over <laughs> over the top of his head. Um, and yeah, it's a good good ball, and Hutton sort of just goes to sleep, and um, Paul Smith um, with a Y uh, was sort of lurking at the back post and just nipped in to score. So, I mean, it's really well worked. I think a couple of things we could have done better. Uh, it's probably more just indicative indicative of um, us standing off a lot. Uh, Terry, I think you were bemoaning that we were doing this quite a lot um, throughout the first half. And yeah, it, it's a sort of goal that probably could have happened to us a couple of times over the course of that first half. A lot of it comes, I mean, both fullbacks had a really, really challenging first half and and we know how Richie Wellens plays he loves to get both both of his own fullbacks really high and create overloads out, out wide and when our wide forwards are Johnny Williams and Harry McCurdy that's going to cause a lot of problems um and 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 it really did cause us a lot of problems but uh, but Connor's right the most the most frustrating thing is the lack of intensity and the and the freedom and respect and space we gave them in the phases, in the run up to that goal, and to the, in the run up to the clear chances, um, they've got a lot of a lot of interesting attacking talents at this level. But you know, they're they're just a you know, they're a top half League Two team, and, and and we gave them so much time and space that that really they were creating at will at times, weren't they? I think um, there was three or four occasions where George Moncur got shots off or or, or picked passes despite having. It had four Swindon players within ten yards, but no one within three yards. Um, it, it was it was really frustrating to watch in that first half. But captain positive over here, we did we did get better in the second half. Whether that's Orient taking the, the gas or whatever, um, we did we did improve after after half time. Certainly in our in our intensity in our pressing, if if not in in actual quality of play and chances created, the first half was 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 dross. It was it was bad. I, I do lean towards the fact that, you know, Richie Wellens in his post-match said, you know, we should have won 3-4-1. And I actually think Leighton Orient's attack, which were very well drilled, they were a bit selfish and they were going for long-distance efforts where they didn't need to. They could have played one more pass and they were through and it allowed Solbrin to either save comfortably or they would, they would miss the target. I think if they were... I think their last three wins benefited Swindon in a way because they're in such good form that I think they had the confidence, swagger, cockiness to try and hit some 20 yarders and it didn't work out and they eventually faded away. What, what do you think? What, I mean, what did you think of that first half generally as well? Like I said, we started well for the first five, six minutes and I just felt almost a little bit catfished by how good that first five or six minutes was because it wasn't on show for the rest of the half and, uh, yeah, I got all excited that, oh, maybe we've turned a bit of a corner here and are actually going to sort of put a good 90 minutes in. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Orient probably can fairly easily feel hard done by not to have got into the break um, ahead. Um, I think the thing is that, yeah, there was a mixture of their attackers maybe making the wrong attacking choices um, that they might not make if um, they were a little bit sort of less confident or if, maybe if they just have someone who's clearly the, the star guy um, in that in that sort of um, attacking unit where I think you've got a number of players that are probably play, sort of functioning at similar levels there where it's not obvious that you feed one guy over the other. Um, 
Plus, you then have Solbrin in net for Swindon, who had another really good game and um, quite rightly got man of the match for making a string of um, really good saves. Um, I think sort of we were joking that a lot of the saves were quite regulation, but obviously you still have to make them. And especially in the second half, there's some outstanding ones um, in in the mix there as well. So um, I think it's a mixture between on any other day, probably they score more than once um, because you, you don't often get a goalkeeper at this level playing sort of making saves at the level that Solbrin was yesterday. Um, but equally, you know, they probably also only have themselves to blame that they didn't work him even harder because, you know, uh, like you say, a lot of them were just sort of decent to good saves to make rather than absolutely outstanding. Terry, for the second home game in a row, our second half performance has saved us somewhat. And do you think that's why so many people saying there's progress here? Because it's easy to disregard a poor first half performance when there is a marked improvement in the second, isn't there? Yeah, may- maybe. I think it, it's super, it's too early to really read any trend into that. I think obviously the Sulphur game was completely changed and dominated by the sending off, which meant um, our, our game plan completely changed and, and also almost that siege mentality came to the fore, which is what we needed. Yesterday... Let, let's give Scott Lindsay some credit. There were there were some slight tactical adjustments, and I think I think some of the sub, some of the changes helped us as well. Um, as on when they came, there was a there was a spell for about fifteen minutes right in the middle of the half where Orion were really on top again. But actually, outside of that, we probably had the best of it in terms of control. What I will say is we didn't create much at all. I, I don't remember. Figure he did nothing, did he? I don't he remember the Bigs had to make second half. Yeah. At all. So the worrying thing, if we want to go with this, well, we were much better second half. I would agree that there was some improvement, but there was there wasn't improvement to our patterns of play. There wasn't improvement to our creativity. There wasn't improvement to our goal threat. We were just a bit more. We were just a bit more at it. You know, we were running around a bit more and tackling a bit more and winning in a, f- a few more individual battles. But we didn't improve in terms of style of play or, or, or methodology or anything like that. At all. We got a lot of responses after this game. And as I, as I already relayed, with varying opinions. I, w- I want to talk about the midfield just a moment, Connor, because, you know, Max says, think changes are needed in midfield. We didn't have as much control as we really need. CJ says midfield was constantly run, overrun and out bald uh, chris says we are our own worst enemy at times with the amount of possession we cheaply give away but when you look at that midfield it should be so good it's so frustrating yeah um, i think to be honest i think one of the main differences between the first half and the second half is that in the second half we were building a lot more play um in the um, opposing half than we actually tried at any point in the first half so i think first half we were always trying the killer ball um, there was always the ball on to to Wakeling, sort of in the channels. Um, there, it was always trying to break one line of the Orient press, and then um, at, at that point, you probably have the the opportunity to play in a good ball to McCurdy and let him hair down and see what he can do. Um, second half, um, especially once Darcy came on, um, I think it was a little bit more sort of working from side to side a little bit in in the attacking. Um, in an attacking sense and obviously there there was a period where Orient were just on top and I think in in that part of the game as well I was kind of impressed with how we rode it out I think like defensively okay we got opened up a couple of times but it it wasn't 
quite as worrying as um, sort of the times that we're getting open up at the weekend against Carlisle. So maybe maybe I'm just being a little bit blasé about it, but I wasn't quite as concerned. And then it just highlighted just how good Solbrin was playing as well. Um, I think... So I, I, I think there there was something there. We, we definitely seemed to sort of be linking up very well. But then, like we said, not really creating any chances. Like the only time that I can really feel that, oh, we might score was right at the end when Adeloy has been brought on and uh, sort of goes down in the box. I don't know if it was a penalty because I've just not watched it back. But I wanted a penalty at the time because obviously you would. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I think with the midfield, a lot of those players, they don't need to be playing the killer pass the first time. Like they can combine, and I think that's where we saw sort of that midfield um, last season, minus pain. But now we've got Kalan and Darcy um, to sort of mix into that. So into that, um, like wh- where they were really good was sort of playing a couple of sort of quick, sort of shorter passes, and that opens up the the killer pass rather than just sort of looking to do it straight away. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see if, if, if that develops because clearly that's the way that the midfield can play. Um, but it looks like they just haven't been doing it. But hopefully we can start doing it a little bit more um, as the sort of weeks go on this season. I think the, the one of the one of the key issues in the midfield, I was well, the, the midfield's interaction with both the back four and the front three just isn't quite there yet. I think um, uh, Reed, Reed Reed combined really well with Conroy. Um, and actually was very comfortable interchanging with, with, with Conroy whenever he needed to. So we were able to come come back and out the other side really well last year, which I think is something that we've not really got this year. And 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 at the top of the pitch, when we do when we do create that little combo and Gladwin or Reed has the opportunity to then play a, a, a key forward pass. The movement and the, and the running and and the creativity in the top end of the pitch just just isn't quite there either. So I, it's just it's just not quite there in each little part, if that makes sense. And and then you add that all together, and 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 the gap seems to be really to, to be to be really big. But I don't think it is. I just think in each moment we're just not quite there. Give me give me some positivity from that that second half then, and you you say it's individuals. Give me some more individual posit- positivity. I think I think it is all of the all of the positivity is individual performances. So Wakeling, we've spoken about Sol Brin, we've we've spoken about. I think um, <laughs> I think we've discussed in the past about my pet hate for um, calling every save a good save. Um, he made lots of lots of saves. Most of them I'd been fuming if he hadn't made, but there was one, I think, one outstanding save in, in the second half, I, and he did everything well. And I think, as a goalkeeper, that's really that that's really our expectation. So he was, um, he's really come to the fore, which is which is which is excellent. There was one save that Sol Brin made in the second half at his near post, where he kind of just towed it wide for a corner and it was good anticipation to be fair it was and it was the save before that was a double save and it's the one before that that is a, that is an outstanding stop i think yeah yeah the <laughs> the one where he did the uh just the the towed it out um he kind of got up quick expecting somebody to give him like the sort of shifty high five for a good job corner he stuck his hand out and there was no one there to give it <laughs> just need to build up the partnerships on the pitch i mean come on yeah, 
he's you know instinctively he went up to go yeah where's my where's my little high five for that save and he kind of reed was in the vicinity but he was deep in conversation with somebody else it, uh, i'll tell you something dion conroy would have given him a high five of course he would have he would have given him a high five all the way to the national league the way crawley are playing at the moment by the looks of it such a shame isn't it um Solbrin, really really strong opening opening to the season for him you know, one comment said worrying that goalkeeper is one man of the match in home games, in both the home games to date. But that's not Sol Brin's problem, is it? I mean, considering what we were talking about in the opening fixtures and about what people felt about Lewis Ward in comparison, that has gone very, very quiet suddenly, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like literally the the fact that that debate doesn't need to happen for a little while. Um, makes me very happy because I don't like having the conversation. I'm glad that I don't have to anymore. Rejoice, eh, Terry? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just happy for Steve Mildenhall and his body work on his car. Stupid people, aren't they? Um, Sol Brin got man of the match in terms of the sponsors at the game. Got man of the match in terms of listeners. Terry, I can't see how we can't give it to him or should it goes to someone else. No, no, it, go, it goes to it goes to Solbrin, I think for sure. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, I want to mention Clayton and Wakeling. I think both um, showed um, a few really good touches. I, I really want to see more from them. So, and I, I mean, we will. We've got a long season ahead of us, so that's good. Um, so yeah, a few positive sort of performances there. Um, a couple of others that were sort of coming back to sort of a bit of a bit closer to the regular level. Um, but yeah, Solbrin for me. Are we going to be rena- renaming the spreadsheet the Solbrin spreadsheet? It looks like it at this early stage we might be. Um, well, who knows? In every, but, in every yeah. allegation season, the goalkeeper wins player of the season. So. <laughs> oh, oh God, no! Shut your <laughs> so, mouth, Tom, Terry. Uh, Tom Clayton is my man at now. <laughs> um, I think the only other player I think that deserves a real a positive uh, mention, but maybe we take it for granted now. But I thought um, I thought Harry was was back to. Back to somewhere near his his best, he was he was really involved throughout. A lot of great movement, really tricky. Um, probably unfortunate not to um, not to have more clearer chances. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was certainly McCurdy's best performance of the season so far as well. Connor, is this the bit where we talk about the FA charge for Harry McCurdy? Um, I mean, it's your podcast, Rich, and you've got a plan, so we, we can do if you want. Um, any information for us? I don't think so. I think we've been charged. It's in relation to Harry McCurdy. There's a lot of rumours of things that went on post-sending off against Salford. We don't know, but they have until Friday of this week to respond. That's what we know, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a specific rule that it sounds like that's the same rule that he broke before where he was uh, a little bit rude about a referee on Instagram. So I'm interested to see like what the actual reason for it is, whether it's what was reported and... Uh, he really went sort of like full kind of prank patrol um, in the referee's changing room, or if he was just really rude um, sort of in his conduct with the referee while on the pitch and leaving the pitch and maybe something after, I don't know. Um, it, 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 it's difficult to talk about because we don't know actually what's happened and we're, re- we're kind of hopefully relying on people reporting stuff that's true online. Um, but then you see things like a 250 grand fine from the same sources and you're like, well, and that's clearly not true. Uh, what on earth are you on about? Uh, so I can joke about it all I want and I have, but I, I, yeah, until we find out what the actual thing that he's done is, then I can't either sort of support or condemn him. Yeah. Terry, it just, it just seems so out of character, doesn't it? <laughs> 
yeah, you've got to, you've got to really ask questions of the referee. What made her, what made Harry McCurdy react like that? Because we've not seen it before. And um, if you if you were a banter sorus professional footballer, and you got sent off erroneously in your opinion, how would you prank the referee in his dressing room? Very good question. I you know I, I would I would get the physio's wet sponge and bucket and just balance it precariously on a slightly ajar door. That's what I would do. Old school traditionalist, Connor, what you got? Um, I would paint the um, inside of the changing room on the door of the changing room so that he then walks into the door of the changing room. <laughs> yes, I like that. If this is the edge Harry McCurdy needs, just load the boy with Gillette at all times. And <laughs> get... <laughs> and if, if, that's what, if that's what he needs to get creative on the pitch, then do so. Heaven knows we need it. Yeah, I mean, look, let's. I'm sure he hasn't trashed the referee's changing room. We shall see. We shall see. I'm sure it'll come out at some point. No, he he called he called the referee a silly Billy, and we move on. Do you reckon we'll um, get an, an FA charge for a whoopee cushion? I reckon, like, how low of a prank would it have to be for the ref to just have a sense of humour? What it? if you wrapped everything in there in tinfoil, or you place loads of little cups with water in them on the floor? Do you think he might have put his replacement whistle in a jelly? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good. oh that's Not good again. stuff. It's good stuff. Not again. But again, um, we, we've already talked about post-match to a degree and we're not huge fans of Scott Lindsay's. Um, they're a good side. They play the ball around well. Um, it doesn't matter that Richie Wellens used to be our manager, but I listened to his post-match and the way he just sort of, we should have won that game, uh, three or four one. I don't necessarily agree that they were that great in in the second half, but they certainly should have been a couple of goals ahead once we got to the end of the first half. But the way he was like, he pointed out to his the listeners, we shouldn't have beat Mansfield, but we did. And today we should have beat Swindon, and we didn't. And that then that's how football goes. I kind of the reason why I say this is I kind of would have liked Scott Lindsay to have come out and said, you know what we didn't play well today and then gone from there instead of the the same Terry, the same stuff every, every post game. Yeah. I just look, it's only the fifth game and I'm, I'm just really bored of, I'm, I'm proud of how the guys competed. They were a good side. Like I give us more, give us more. And, and, and also just be pragmatic and be honest. I think, I think you will the rule for life, not football post-match interviews. You will not connect with people unless you're pragmatic and honest with them, and and, and that's just that that's just that's just fact. Um, and and nobody who watched that game, let's be let's be honest, nobody who listened to post-match didn't watch the game, or at least follow the game in some respect. And therefore, we all know and we all saw what happened and how it played out. You can't you can't con us. You can't kid us. You can't pull up pull the wood over our eyes and pretend we didn't watch the game and then tell us that that we did really well when when it was it was painfully clear that we didn't so yeah just more pragmatism more honesty um and more detail connor's connor's dead right in that respect as well it's okay to say if it didn't go to plan isn't it connor yeah 100% like honestly if we're seeing in the stands or you know on a computer screen 100 miles away um that it, it there were areas in which we could do better 
like they're not state secrets. Like the op- the opposition will be able to work this out, even if you don't say it to the fans. But like as a fan, the reason that I'm listening to a post match interview is because I want to kind of be aware of like your way of thinking and like how you're looking at what's going on. If you're telling me that a game that I don't think we were good enough in was really great, and um, I mean, I, 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 like the, it was like there were positives there and like obviously there were, there will have been some positives in most performances but um yeah i want you to sort of point out a couple of areas in which we can improve um and just show willing to improve that sort of um at the game on saturday i feel like most managers do that um i think that there are a couple of times in a season where you play badly and you need the manager to go, just to go in there and say no they've done what i asked them to do um they played well and maybe it it just it just takes the intelligence of a manager to know when to play that card. Um, but yeah, the majority of the time, just call it as it is. Like if, if as a team um, we've um, maybe not played to the level we should be at, then, then say it. Um, what, obviously, what we don't need to be doing is like having the manager going in and like digging out individual performances, which thankfully sounds like he's not going to be the sort of manager to do that really. Um, but yeah, as a team, like if there's stuff that as a team that we should be doing better. Um, yeah, I just want to hear from him like what he wants to do about it, and, and we we haven't heard that yet. So um, it'd be interesting to see if he actually does think that we were really good and we're just playing an amazing team. Um, and the county grounds a really tough place to go, um, or uh, or if uh, yeah, just um, he, he's just really just like not playing the media game at all, which which is a shame as a fan because um, I think um, Andrew Hawes doesn't suffer fools lightly, and 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 is a very good broadcaster. We're privileged to have someone of his quality for, for a, a, a club of our level covering us weekly. It won't be long until I would imagine Andrew's line of questioning becomes a little bit more intense. I think what's quite interesting is connecting the dots between the pre and post-match. Um, Lindsay bristled at the idea that we would be counter-attacking against Leighton Orient. He said that we wanted to dominate the ball. We wanted to not only match their intensity, but surpass it. We wanted to not only match their pressing, but surpass it. And we wanted to be a re- really, really play a lot of on the, fr- on the front foot football. It won't be long until those comments start coming back to him and getting played back to him in post-match interviews. Because if you, down, if you outright asked him yesterday... Literally 24 hours ago, you said that we wouldn't be counter-attacking. We wanted to match their intensity, match their pressing, and control the football and be up and put in a front foot performance. Did we do those five things? No, not no, we didn't. Um, so I think I think Lindsay's got to be. He's just he's just got to give us a bit more detail at, and and connect the dots between um, between between what he's saying pre and post match. I, I think that's that's going to be. An interesting subplot to, to watch over the coming weeks. Yeah, Andrew Hawes is the king. He's already started the well. My interpretation of his questioning is that Are you sure? You yeah, <laughs> and it, and it is really good that he you know he, he's asking those questions. Absolutely. Okay, so let's close on the next game, which they'll be a presser for with Joe and Jr. Probably Friday morning. That'll be with you, Rochdale, Connor. There's no two ways about it. It's got to be three points. I'm not even putting myself into a mentality where I can think about anything else. They are the worst <laughs> club in the division. Nothing can go wrong now, right? 
Yeah, do you know what? It's funny because when we lost to Harrogate on the opening day and everyone was saying, like, this is the sort of club that you would think would be, like, sort of favourites for relegation, I thought, actually, you know, someone like Rochdale for me is someone that would be um, in terms of, I feel like it's it's not always the, the name clubs that, like, come to mind, like, the smaller clubs that come to mind. It's the ones that sort of seem to be just really dysfunctional, um, uh, which they seem to be. Uh, and... Um, I'm, I'm sure this will be played on Rochdale Twitter if, if it all goes wrong on, on, on Saturday. Uh, they're a team that we should hopefully be beating. Um, and if we don't play well against them and get three points or get one point and have been absolutely thoroughly robbed by a combination of absolutely horrendous circumstances, um, then I'll be really upset um, about how it goes, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, surely in this game, we've got to play our own game. We've got to do what we say we want to do. We've got to show what Swindon Town... Um, football club stand for in 2022, the, the latter half of 2022, um, and uh, just get that win off our back because it, it might be that there's a confidence issue. And uh, once the players and the management are a little bit more confident that what we're doing is actually the right thing, that will then transmit to us as fans. And uh, I will be more positive on the podcast when I'm appearing. Terry Rochdale, four games played, one none, drawn none, lost four, four one against five it's surely time to swash our buckles here look Rochdale are a top top side and Ian Henderson has a great scoring record at this level we can't we can't take them lightly we expect them to dominate the football and the county grounds are a hard place to go <laughs> oh no in all seriousness good friend of mine um up, up here in Manchester big Rochdale fan uh he is uh having lots of conversations with another friend of ours up here who's an Oldham fan about the best National League day out, days out for 2023-24. They are four games in. They really want their their manager out. Um, and they are pretty much resigned to this already. So this is really a game where there is zero excuse. And, and, and as Connor said, this is the opportunity now. You want to talk about identity. You want to talk about front foot football. This is your opportunity to send a message. Let's do it. Chaps, thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford, and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has that bubble? Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.